this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode the appointment of judges continues to be mired in controversy so much so there have been some sharp public comments by law minister kiran rijiju on the subject he has written to the chief justice of india dy chandrachur suggesting that the central government representative sit on the collegium of supreme court judges that makes appointments to the highest court on several occasions the center has delayed appointments that perhaps were not to its liking drawing the ire of the supreme court justice chandrachur recently referred to the basic structure of the constitution as the north star or a guide to the judiciary This comment followed public remarks by Vice President Jagdeep Dhankar that questioned the basic structure judgment delivered by 13 judges of the Supreme Court 40 years ago. To discuss these issues, I am joined by Justice A.P. Shah, a former Chief Justice of the Delhi High Court. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Justice Shah. Thank you, Amit. Justice Shah, my first question to you. could you explain to us how the collegium system came about what does the constitution say about the appointment of judges and how have the courts interpreted it at the outset if you read the constitutional assembly debates you will see there was an emphasis from all concerned that india should have an independent judiciary everyone recognized and agreed that this was vital for the protection of citizens rights and maintaining the rule of law so the general consensus was that appointment was to be done by the executive but that it should be consultative with the chief justices of india for the supreme court and with the chief justices of high courts for appointment to various high courts nehru said that we need persons with the highest integrity who can stand up against the executive government and whoever might come in their way ambedkar also said that appointment should not be left to the executive or the legislature the understanding was that by and large the view of the chief justices should prevail and indeed this is what happened throughout in nehru era during the period from 1950 to 1971 the chief justices practically had a final word in matters of appointment austin the great constitutional scholar in fact called it a veto all this was to change when indira gandhi came back to power with an absolute majority she had a grouse against some of the judgments of the supreme court including uh, bank nationalization given her dictatorial and autocratic tendencies she did not want an independent judiciary and she did everything in her power to weaken the judiciary she used people like hr gokhale kumar mangalam for this purpose who propagated the idea that india needed committed judges she superseded three judges in order to place a judge of her choice as a chief justice of india that is justice hendre and subsequently justice a hr khanna supersession also happened in her time this 
general trend of controlling the judiciary continued in Rajiv Gandhi's period. Unfortunately, what had happened at that time was in the first judge's case, a five-judge bench by a majority of three versus two said that advice of the Chief Justice was not binding on the government. This led to disastrous consequences. Taking advantage of this decision, Rajiv Gandhi should keep the senior most judge in the High Court as an acting Chief Justice and until that person agreed to government nominees, they would not be confirmed. So the appointment process of the judiciary was virtually hijacked by the executive. Justice Sodhi of the Delhi High Court, who, whose remarks were publicized recently, is not right in saying that the Supreme Court has hijacked this system, but it was the executive during Indira and Rajiv's time which hijacked the system. The Collegium, which was brought about by the second judge's case in 1993, was in response to this situation. I entirely agree with with many writers and commentators that the system has many flaws, but it has mind large work. Most importantly, I think uh, it has it has reduced the executive interference to a large extent. So, I mean, operationally, what what is what is the system? As per the system, in the first instance, the recommendation comes from the judges, that is the collegium. Then there would be a consultation. Primacy must always be with the judiciary. And the role of the government is consultative. The government may have valid objections which would be considered by the collegium. But if a name is reiterated, then the government would have to accept the recommendation. This is a system that has worked from 1993 onwards and remains in place today. And uh, what is your sense? I mean, uh, uh, we also had uh, the National Judicial Appointments Commission or NJAC. You know, the, the the Act of Parliaments was struck down by the Supreme Court in October 2015. What are your views on the NJAC? About the NJAC, I believe that it was a very badly drafted law. The uh, I entirely agree that the, there should be an appointment commission for selection of judges to the superior courts and this is an ideal process. But the NJC law was brought about hastily and with multiple flaws. To give a few examples how badly drafted it was, take the composition of judges, the composition of the commission for instance. It was to have three judges the law minister and two eminent persons. Now, ordinarily, eminent in this case should have been an expert in the field of law. But no such requirement existed. In fact, on the contrary, it was argued in all sincerity that even an agricultural expert could be an eminent person for the purposes of this commission. Take also the logic of veto power. The law provided that any two persons in the commission can disagree on an appointment. Effectively, this meant 
that the two so called eminent persons could override the view of the three judges or one eminent person and the law minister could override the view of the judges there was another provision that the that is i think clause 5 that the senior most supreme court judge would be appointed as chief justice of india subject to his fitness provided his fit but it was not provided who would test for fitness what would be the criteria this was all conveniently ambiguous the law had many multiple flaws i need not go into the uh, more details but i must tell you one thing it was suggested by the by the petitioners counsel that the law should be could be read down or could be modified and indeed there was scope uh, in the legislation to improve the attorney general reportedly said that not a comma sentence or full stop could be changed it was a bad law the government did not want to bring bring in a new law therefore it was struck down and we are back to the collegium system for appointment we don't need a, a commission like body for appointment but it should have majority of judges the operations of such commissions should be completely transparent like in the uk which has a mix of judges and members of civil society but it is not dominated by government other countries also have similar bodies like uh, south africa israel but these bodies are not dominated by government we can easily have a new law but we need political will to make this happen and uh, this is not in sight right now justice shah what do you think are the reasons for the current public exchanges uh, between the central government and the supreme court relating to the appointments to the higher judiciary amit uh, the i believe that the that there is no real that there is no real issue on principle let me just start in a different way under the present government led by mr modi institutions responsible for accountability in india have been virtually compromised for example the election commission the human rights commission the investigating bodies the media by and large is compromised academic institutions are compromised i believe our country is actually in the times of elected autocrats who use domestic institutions to kill democracy i believe that for this government the judiciary and the supreme court is the last bastion and all this diatribe by government representatives high officials is a brazen attempt to topple this last bastion as you know the njc law njc judgment came in 2015 however till recent times there was no criticism of the collegium system by the present government the reason was that the judiciary under the successive chief justices starting from chief justice kehar to chief justice bobde was fairly passive and i would say many times submissive consequently the government had no reason to object to the the to the collegium system but when the judiciary started to get more assertive especially after chief justice ramanna ladit and now chief justice chandrachud the government's idea is to undermine the credibility of the judiciary 
this is a concerted attack on the judiciary. The same thing happened in Indira Gandhi's time during the emergency. We are seeing a repeat of everything. Only the actors have changed. Then it was people like H.R. Gokhale and Kumar Mangalam. Now it is Kiran Rijiju and Vice President Dhankar. We hear statements being made without understanding the situation. Something stated are ridiculous and often casually said as throwaway comments for a media bite. But no real substance or evidence to back up what they are saying. Again, the tone and manner of comments like these is very alarming. And clear the idea is to weaken the judiciary. I just have to give one example. Take the issue of delays in disposal of cases. The fact is that files of appointment are kept for years together. Even when reiterated by the judiciary, they are not appointed unless the government is satisfied that the nominee is to their liking. The law of the land, that is the collegium system, ought to be followed. But the government is obstinate and obstructing the process of appointment and at the same time issuing statements criticizing the judiciary. In fact, the Supreme Court has laid down timelines for responses of the government. Recently, uh, Justice Rohington Nariman said that the government should be given only 30 days time. So the, there are timelines and the government must respond in, in, in the timelines as, as laid down for this purpose. But they, they don't respond. The, this, the government sits on files for years together. Now what is most surprising is that Rijiju or Dhankar do not say anything about the real issues. Like what's the best way to improve the appointment system? Or what's the best way to attract best talent to the, to the high courts? What is the best way to increase the strength of the, of the lower judiciary? What's the best way to tackle the issue of the pendency, particularly the lower courts and the high courts? So really there is no debate on these issues. And there, are, there is simply attack on the, on the judiciary uh, without any constructive suggestions. Do you think then, uh, Justice Shah, the time has come for the Supreme Court to, or, you know, this matter is before uh, a bench of the Supreme Court as well, the appointments process. So you think it's time for the Supreme Court to get more assertive and ensure that its appointees uh, are actually the collegium, actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, the appointments happen and the appointments see the light of day in a way of manner of speaking? No, of course, of course. The Supreme Court has given a long road to the, to the government. The law is that the, the government should respond within a particular time and if the names are retreated by the collegium, then the government should make the appointment. You will find that there are the appointments are files are kept pending for years together. Even if the names are repeated not only once but twice, but still the appointments are not made. So this is a time where the at some stage I believe that the court will have to make it clear that if the government fails to respond to the to the either to the names within time or to the reiterated names, then there may be a mandamus would follow to appoint the, the the candidate as a judge of the High Court or the Supreme Court as the case may be. Justice Shah, what is your view of the Supreme Court Collegium revealing uh, intelligence agency inputs relating to the appointment of uh, gay lawyer Saurabh Kirpal to the Delhi High Court? I mean, look here, Amit, 
a primary objection against the college especially by the government has been that it is opaque lacks accountability lacks transparency in the light of this any kind of disclosure is most welcome move we must understand what exactly happened a few names proposed by the collegium were objected to by the government purportedly due to certain inputs by the investigating agencies now saurav kripal is openly gay and there is nothing wrong with going public about this the supreme court judgment in nautasing zohar has made it legal to do so there are so many gay judges around the world including in the highest offices justice cameron of south africa justice michael kirby of australia per se there is no logic to making one sexual orientation as disqualification to appointment saurav kripal's name was first recommended in 2018 justice bobde and justice gogi kept it pending perhaps may have been with the with some information about the government's opposition to it it finally was said to the government the government did not do anything for one year so what 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 was its objection not ability or competence or anything relevant to the office the objection was that his partner is a swiss national and that he is open about his relationship why can't he be open about the relationship the law allows that as regards his partner i must tell you let one of the foremost judges of the indian supreme court justice vivian bose was married to a lady who was a foreign national so that cannot be a valid ground of objection either even the others whom the government has objected to for example soma sundareshan i think from bombay i quote allegedly expressed certain views on ca as a practicing lawyer similarly some political views of others have seemingly dictated the objections expressed by the government the supreme court in my opinion did a good thing by revealing these objections importantly on the revelation itself what is the ip doing merely stating facts in public knowledge regarding someone's partner or say views expressed in an article or a blog are they are all in public domain and known to everyone as an investigating agency it is expected to report on say questionable antecedents or instances of misbehavior or other reasons that might be more legitimate cause to disqualify someone from appointment instead they look at things in the they're just simply putting things in the public domain and uh, a bit one more thing everyone knows all these investigating institutions in india right now are completely compromised so can we really expect anything better so i according to me this is the decision of the supreme court to disclose to reveal this inputs of the investigating agencies and the supreme court stand on those objections is a very welcome move i mean this would did a great step for making the collegium system more transparent and and do you think that uh, you know from the point of view of transparency i mean uh, should the supreme court collegium make uh, you know these objections public in every case would that uh, sort of add to the credibility of the collegium no i am not in favor of making the objections public in every case it would depend i mean sometimes i mean suppose there is a family 
dispute or say, I'm just giving you an example. I mean, the say some matrimonial dispute about the candidate which is in the court and and some something, some controversies arise out of that. Now, surely the, the court may or may not make that, uh, may elevate that candidate, but this may not be a uh, information which should be put in public domain. So I'm saying by and large, the reason should be made in public, but it's, it should not be a, a, a rule of thumb. It, I think it should be left to the discretion of the court. I mean, which information to be revealed. But I would be more inclined towards transparency in the in the functioning of the collision. Justice Shah, the law minister, Mr. Rijiju, has also written to the Chief Justice of India seeking the inclusion of a government nominee on the collegium. You think this is a workable proposition? No, no, no. The, I'm sorry. The, the suggestion wa- was to inclusion of a government nominee on a search and evaluation committee. See, there is no search and evaluation committee today. This was suggested as a part of the memorandum that followed the NGC judgment. There can be a search and evaluation committee, but we must also be wary. The committee itself may sound innocuous, but it is one way of getting the government entry into the selection process. The fact is that if the government has names, they can send it to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. If they have got names for the High Court, they can send it to the to the Chief Justice of the High Court. Uh, by and large, I am telling you from my my experience, the many times the names suggested by the government are really uh, not up to the mark. The government is interested in uh, pushing their own people uh, in the judiciary. This is this was this is my experience in the at least in three high courts, Madras, Mumbai, and Delhi. Uh, anyway, as per the collegium system, the recommendation go back to the to the government, and they do have a say in the appointment. And if the if at all the government is serious about the about uh, constituting a a search and evaluation committee and and want to be part of that committee. It can discuss this with the Chief Justice of India, give its views to the CJ, discuss this matter. There is no reason to go public. I mean, all this, all this is happening, which is in, in the public domain, is not in the interest of the either of the judiciary and uh, either of the. It's not a sign of good governance, I would say. Justice Shah, before I let you go, I just want to pick up on uh, some of the remarks that you made earlier about how uh, appointments to the superior judiciary are made in other countries as well. But for India, you know, with its particular circumstance and particular culture and particular situation, what do you think should be the ideal vehicle to appoint judges to the higher judiciary? See, the now the uh, government has said, has made it clear that it has no proposal to introduce new law. So there is no likelihood of uh, of getting another NJAC. So that's an ideal process. But the, the I mean, there is no chance of having this kind of a law. So the, the at this juncture, I would strongly suggest reforms in the collegium system. For example, the collegium today functions with no rules or guidelines. It can lay down the rules and guidelines on many facets of appointments, such as the zone of consideration, the process of recommendations, the age, experience. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there should be a laundry list of the 
criteria or qualifications but we need to have some rules and guidelines in order to have a there should be systemic and clearly given process now one of the most important issues is that of seniority versus merit what is happening today is that seniority is being given undue importance in superior courts appointment should be purely merit based you can have zone of consideration meaning thereby that you pick up a judge from the high court in first file or first three but appointment should be mainly based on a merit you, there is no point in packing the supreme court only with the chief justices of the high court on, on the basis of seniority then i believe that assessment system should also, could also be improved it should be more penetrating deep and thoughtful we must have for example elevation to the supreme court when there are elevation to the supreme court there should be proper assessment of judgments delivered by the prospective candidate we should introduce a process of interviews of the candidates at both high courts and supreme court levels which is followed in in many other countries and high court appointments uh, are the most important because it is from there that the judges are mostly picked to the supreme court then we should have and and remember that the high court is the main segment of the judiciary then we must have clear criteria rules guidelines and the collegium should have its own registry or own uh, own department today it's is 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 functioning in a on a very ad hoc basis and uh, the our idea of what kind of judges is ideal need to be tweaked this i'm telling you this from my experience in in various high courts someone with a successful practice need not automatically mean that person will be a good judge we need to consider other qualities such as knowledge of the constitution thoughtful engagement with issues facing the nation the views of on minority the views on rising poverty the unemployment the the people's basic rights about the livelihood or the their right to have uh, have shelter i mean uh, all this is very important so the the when a candidate is under consideration the this this can be ascertained through interviews through his work through his uh, i mean his publications he has written some expresses views on certain issues so the i believe that the there is a uh, there is a lot of scope for improvement of the current collegium system justice chandrachud has has uh, uh, almost two years tenure so he can do it and uh, and the one more thing i must lastly i must uh, tell you about this there is should be a conscious effort to rule out nepotism husband or wives brothers members of the same family relations juniors etc must be avoided i i feel guilty i plead guilty but my 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 father was a judge too but the, i believe that the uh, collegium should start looking beyond these uh, candidates like the coming from the same chamber or the same families etc so that's there has to be more neutral approach to the selection of the candidates and and the lastly uh, just one important thing i was really missing the aspect of fair representation we need more women and there is a i i think i believe that there is a conscious effort on the part of the supreme court collegium to bring more women in the supreme court we should have similar effort in the high courts there should be more people from backward classes this is another another uh, 
flaw in our system that we are having judges mainly from the upper uh, class communities uh, mainly from the middle class with the same background so we should have more representation from the backward class i am not uh, proposing any reservation to the superior in the superior judiciary but there has to be an effort sincere effort to bring about more people from the backward classes so this way you can have a you can have a more broad based selection process under the current college system and and surely i mean all these things should be discussed between the government and the chief justice of india and the senior judges of the court this i i i this public spat as not really is not really a healthy sign of good governance of which the government is repeatedly talking Justice Ajit Prakash Shah, former Chief Justice of the Delhi High Court, thank you very much for talking uh, to the Hindus in Focus podcast uh, in such great detail on such a contentious issue. Uh, I do hope we will get another opportunity to speak to you on the subject, since it looks as if it's not going to go away anytime soon. Thank you again, Justice Shah, for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure to talk to you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.